This podcast was first broadcast on 92.6 FM Radio Verulam. Go to radioverulam.com to find more Environment Matters podcasts and if you enjoy what we do, to find out how you can support the station, which is run entirely by volunteers. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Welcome to this week's Environment Matters with me, Amanda Yorworth. Environment Matters is the show that brings you news on issues of sustainability and the environment from around St Albans and from further afield. Now, there's lots been happening locally for groups around St Albans campaigning to protect areas that they love from development. Down in Tittenhanger, protesters are rejoicing that the Hartsmere draft local plan has been shelved, along with the proposed new village, Bowman's Cross, which they say would threaten the only tree sparrow colony in the east of England. Over in Colney Heath, residents are being invited to have their say on a development of 100 houses on Greenbelt land at Roundhouse Farm off Bullens Lane in Colney Heath. Last June, despite opposition from both St Albans and Wellin Hatfield Council, this was given planning permission. If you'd like to find out more or to have your say, then do take a look at taylorwimpy.co.uk forward slash Colney Heath. And campaign group Clash have just started legal proceedings against St Albans District Council. Now, we heard last year from the campaign group Clash, who were objecting to an application by Hunston Properties and the trustees of the Sewell Trust to build up to 150 homes on the land behind 112 to 156B Harpenden Road. That's roughly the land behind the houses between Staggs and Sandwichbury Lane and the old Albanian sports pitchers. Now, Clash were unsuccessful in their objections and planning permission was granted. However, Clash are not giving up their fight. They've employed a legal team who have found five grounds on which to challenge the legality of the council's granting of planning permission and they began legal proceedings against St Thomas District Council on the 1st of February. I spoke to G Smedley from the campaign group Clash and I started by asking her to tell us a bit about the land where the permission has been given for building these houses. Hi Amanda, well thanks for having Clash back, um, me in particular. So the land is... At the minute, we call it a wildflower meadow. I mean, it's a parcel of land that's adjacent to agricultural land that is fairly intensively farmed. But this piece of land hasn't been farmed for the last 10 years in anticipation that they would be granted planning permission on it. Um, in terms of the, um, the species and the diversity, the biodiversity that we found, um, we have been looking at resources to try to establish what's there because it's a private piece of land we can't access it. But we've been fairly lucky in that DEFRA have published quite a lot of data on the area around us. And we've had, for example, an understanding of the aquifer that lies below the ground, the amount of flooding. Anyone that's driven along Sanctuary Lane know it floods fairly regularly. And in terms of the species that are present, we have things like corn bunting, grey partridge, lapwing, and yellow wagtail. Those are confirmed by DEFRA. And then we have recently had residents photograph red wings and yellow hammers, which are also red list priority bird species. So we're really fortunate. And I think... We're benefiting 
from Hartwood Forest. As we know, this land is very close to Hartwood Forest. And if you're a bird there doing quite well, you will spread. There are also mammals present. Roe deer, foxes, badgers have been confirmed on this side as well. And it's surrounded by a beautiful hedgerow punctuated with a couple of old oak trees. And it's a really lovely area. So the campaign group that you're part of, G, Clash, it's issued legal proceedings against St. Thomas District Council on five different grants. So if we could just talk about those. Now, your first concern is about consistency of decision making. Can you explain to us what the problem, as you see it, is there? Absolutely. The land has received planning applications in the past, and most notably in 2014, In 2014, as in previous applications over the years, the local authority turned down the application. It then went to the planning inspectors and the planning inspectors turned down the application. It then went to the Secretary of State and the Secretary of State also upheld that decision and turned down the application. So consistency means that if nothing has changed, if there's no material difference in, for example, housing supply, local plan status, the land itself and what the land itself offers, i.e. it's adjacent to, as I've mentioned before, agricultural land and Hartwood Forest, then you really are going to struggle to make a different decision. And this is where we have picked up some grounds, which I say we, our lawyers, to be fair, have picked up some grounds to say that they can't see a material difference. Housing supply in 2021 was not materially different to that in 2014, 2015. The local plan at the time was four or five years away from being approved. Unfortunately, it wasn't approved in 2020. So we're still four or five years away. And so that's where this desirability of consistency needs to come in. And we don't feel that a different decision could be made. Now, moving on to uh, another one of your grants, and this is concerning an error of fact about the density of the houses. Now, can you explain what this is about? I will try. So I'm not a planning professional or a planning consultant or lawyer or anything like that, but you learn a lot as you go through this process. And in short, the council have approved an application for 150 dwellings. Well, from what we can see of the reports that have been put forward in terms of flooding and the, um, the, the impact on the surroundings, visibility, all of that, that's taking into account only 135 dwellings. Now, you might say, oh, 15 houses is a big deal, but actually, 10% difference is a big deal. The plans that were turned down previously in 2015, they were for 85 homes. And at the time, the planning inspector and the secretary of state said that that impact was too much of a visual impact on the landscape. Whereas now we're being told that 150 homes or 135, depending on which measure you're taking, that makes no difference. And actually, it's a better plan and the the parameter being the edges of it are are, are a better thing. So we refute that. Okay. now the next one, this one intrigued me, is a concern about a provision of the National Planning Policy Framework, which is guidance on all sort of planning decisions. And this is about tree-lined streets. What's what's this one about, Jay? Okay, so when you're designing a new area, one of the tenets of this NPPF, National Planning Policy Framework, is that we will 
need to provide the space for street trees. Street trees are very important. We all love them aesthetically. They do lots for the environment, but there needs to be space allowed for them. So the verge and the space for that tree. And if that's not there and you're putting in a higher density of housing and you're trying to deliver that housing without these trees, which is a requirement, you know, framework requirement, then you have missed something pretty material. And when you're looking at the number of proposed pavements and streets within this plan, there's quite a lot of trees missing and quite a lot of verges missing. So in a way, this feeds into one of the asks that we have of the council. We, we, we've taken this legal action. We're going to have a little look at all of the grounds now. But we've, we've thought about it. And rather than just, just to say, OK, you know, you can't come back and uh, there's absolutely no proposal anywhere that would work. If there is a proposal that meets all the criteria, including biodiversity net gain on the site, including the establishment of lots of new trees, making sure that we're not building on areas that flood a lot and protecting our groundwater quality, then it's something that we can work with. But the failure to deliver these material points when even submitting an outline plan, which this is, you know, it's just really not great. That's how we felt. And uh, it's a legal point that uh, we can take forward. So uh, another of the points that you're making, another of the, the grounds on which you're taking your legal action is about highway objections. So w- what do you think is the, the problem here? We don't feel they were properly dealt with. There were lots of objections made on highways, three very technical ones, one from Clash and two from other sources. One of those other sources even highlighted that the width of the road was given incorrectly by two metres. So, and that's a lot. If you're trying to put in a cycle lane, that's quite a lot. So we don't believe that they were dealt with correctly. And hence that forms one of our grounds. And then finally, you have what looks like quite a serious ground, which alleges councillor bias. What's your grounds for concerns here? We have made a formal complaint as a group. We can't divulge too much at the minute. We wouldn't want to prejudice anything and we wouldn't want to get on the wrong side of any regulation. Right. Okay. So those are the five grounds on which you are challenging, uh, making a legal challenge to the planning application. Tell us a little bit about the letter that you've written to the council. Explain what you're hoping to get from that and what you've said. So we're all residents and We've taken legal action. We haven't taken it lightly. We've spent months deliberating on it. We've hired who we believe to be the best team to assess this. So we're not taking legal action lightly. And we wanted to put that really in a letter to the leader of the council, Chris White, and to the chief executive of the council as well. And as part of that process, we decided that really... We're not here just to complain. We're not here just to say not in our backyard. You know, we all hear about that. So our first, I guess, point of the open letter is that this application needs to be quashed because we don't believe, as outlined in our legal challenge, that that decision is robust enough. And then we've gone on from that. Lots of you will have heard about Hartsmere a couple of weeks ago who have put a a stall on their local plan. And the CPRE, so the Campaign for the Protection of Rural England, has called for those councils who haven't delivered a local plan, such as St Albans, and there are many, we're not in it alone, um, to stop making assessments and allowing application on Greenbelt. 
we support CPRE's call for a moratorium to stop assessing these Greenbelt applications until the new planning bill is finalised. So it sounds like a lovely place that you're talking about, but you, you know, you've got a house. There's a lot of people who don't have houses who would love to be able to have a house around here. Basically, we've got to build somewhere. And St. Thomas District Council has been given figures for housing. They've got to find space for. Yes. And I think that it's a point not just for St. Albans. It's a point that we have to deal with in the southeast as a whole. St. Albans is lovely and it's very popular. Certainly, I can't remember the last time St. Albans was described as being affordable. That's for sure. I've lived here nearly 20 years. It's something that we have to address as a region. You can't address this individually as a city. St Albans may have limited brownfield available, but all of it must be converted and developed before we start encroaching on the green spaces. We need to work collectively and we need to do this within the the, the framework of both the improved, which we hope it's improved national planning policy framework and the planning bill that's due to come this year. And also bear in mind that there need to be very special circumstances to remove the projected status of Greenbelt. Okay. Now, you had an an open meeting at the weekend at which you invited people to come along and find out more about your campaign. Um, How did that go? Brilliant. (laughs) Lots of cake was eaten, lots of smiling faces. But more importantly, everybody now understands what's happening and the message that we're trying to put across. So... There were many people who said they still, they hadn't been aware of the application. They don't get the notifications. You know, a small green sign on a lamppost that you might not walk past isn't suitable. We've we've done a lot of work to try to get the message out there through our social media network. But, you know, having some leaflets through doors and getting people in a room to chat, uh, it felt like, felt like the good old days. <laughs> so, so we are, you know, we're, we're really making sure that the local community know what's happening, not just for this application, but for the local plan review. Okay, so you don't see yourself as being in competition with other groups protecting their local space, perhaps people down at Tittenhanger or people uh, at Knapsbury. Uh, You feel that actually, you know, you're not fighting for houses to go elsewhere, that actually this is a, a, a common cause for you. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think it would be very hypocritical of us to say, don't build here, build there. Uh, Whilst we're, we're working together, we are in St Albans needing to come together and really address this um, as a whole. But there are different approaches that will work. And part of the new planning bill is that the housing calculation needs to be corrected and adjusted for two things. One being the change in the population figures since Brexit and since coronavirus, we have a reduced population in the southeast of England. And the second one being that we need to take into account areas such as St Albans with a high level of green belt and protected land and that land doesn't mag- magically appear. Now, but perhaps people listening who missed your meeting would just like to find out more. Where can they learn more? Oh, fantastic. Yes. Yeah, well, you can find us on Facebook. If you look for Save North St Albans Green Belt, that goes to our Facebook page. Um, we're appearing in the local paper again which is lovely obviously thank you Amanda for having us back on Radio Verulam Environment Matters and uh, if you would like you can email us and we will add you to our distribution list 
Jeez, Medley, thank you very much indeed for telling us all about that. Thank you, Amanda. And I invited St Albans District Council to comment on this matter, but they declined the opportunity at this stage. Now, I've just got time to remind you that you've only got a few weeks until the 14th of March to register your group's event for this year's St Albans Sustainability Festival. Now, the festival will take place between the 15th and the 31st of May. And whilst publicity is done by the Volunteer Sustainability Festival Working Group, All the events are run by groups like churches, local businesses, schools, art groups, scout groups. You get the idea. And the event can be anything that makes the group or the rest of us a bit more sustainable. So it could be something as simple as a veggie lunch day at work or as complicated as a conference with top end speakers. Both of those have happened and everything in between. Now, the festival won't happen without us, so go on, have that conversation with the group you're involved in, get talking about what you can do and register your event at susfest.org. It's nice and easy to register on susfest.org and you'll also find there's some useful tips. And if you're looking for a really great job at a wonderful local organisation, then Earthworks is looking for a support worker. They say, are you looking for your first step into green care? Do you thrive in the outdoors in all weathers? Could you support people with learning disabilities to benefit from social and therapeutic horticulture? Well, if you think that that would match with you, then take a look at Earthworks on social media where you'll find out more, including how to apply. Do drop me an email on amanda at radioverilum.com or message via the Environment Matters Facebook page. And you'll also find me on Twitter at RV underscore environment. I'm going to be back with you at the same time next week. But until then, thank you for listening.